stubbornness, laziness, or both. Yeah. Um, anyway, welcome back to the Hey Listen Radio show number nine. It's just me and Jumper Cables. Um, Joe spoiled something for me earlier today, so I banned him from the show for one <laughs> week. Um, it had nothing to do with him being tired. Yeah. And we don't really have topics. There's like a couple things that I just want to like talk to you about, but like, okay. I mean, just things like random shit that I always want to bring up, you know? Sure. So I figure you and I will have no trouble bullshitting for like, you know, an hour or whatever. Yep. But uh, anyway, uh, did you see that link Joe posted earlier? Uh, I didn't check it out. Eh, don't worry about it. It's just an EA thing where they they did a a video presentation of all their new shit that's coming out. Oh, anything of interest? Um, a new Apex Legends. <laughs> um, I have some friends who are probably psyched about that. Yeah, I don't care. And then there's another like colorful thing. Another colorful, like, character shooter. Oh. Which is, like, I don't care. And then there was, like, like, Greg Miller hosted it. And I skipped through most of it. I skipped through most of the talking heads. Especially him. Um... A lot of interviews and stuff, and I just skipped over most of it. Uh, there's some, like, new of that, like... Star Wars. Did you see that Star Wars game? Nope. It, it's called Star Wars Squadrons. Uh, anyway, it's basically another Rogue Squadron game. So there's some gameplay for that. But then at the end of the thing, they brought out this dude, Cuz, who was like... He worked on the skate games, and he was, they were like, new skate game! Hey! Oh yeah, though, yeah, yeah. let's see. I did see the spoiler there. Yeah, but they didn't show anything. It was literally just him and the director of the game going, yeah, we're making it. It's like, yeah, don't worry, we're making something. But it was cool to see that guy because he was, he was kind of like a community manager or whatever for the original games and he was in the games, so. Okay. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> But uh, that wasn't too exciting. And what else? There was something else I wanted to... I'd play another skate game. Yeah. It's funny because I was looking at... Uh, today I was looking at... a Like Area 5 has been streaming. They're like these old one-up guys. The video guys. And then they've spawned their own TV show. And then they did documentaries and shit. And they were streaming some shit. And they had this video on like Skate 2. They'd just been showing old shit, and they were in the chat, so I was talking to them about stuff, and we were kind of talking about, like, Session and Skater XL, which are, like, two sim skate games that are, like, in the works. Like, Skater XL is about to drop, and Session is early access, and it just hit, like, the Xbox pre-release shit or whatever. Session's in kind of rough shape. It's cool. I play it, but... So I was thinking of getting Skater XL to try that out. 
I think it's maybe a little more polished. That thing's about to like fully drop next month or something. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, <laughs> you know what I did today? What's up? I finished Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh, wow. You've seen all of it, huh? Yeah, I've seen all of it. Have you? Uh, I have not. Mm. Uh, I may never see all of it because my preferred method of watching it is to just watch episodes at random because that was kind of how I experienced it as a kid. Mm. Specifically, just kind of like walking in the room while my either just either while it was on TV in general or specifically as my mom was watching it. She really liked um, Star Trek everything. Yeah. So so there's an extra nostalgia hit just watching episodes at random. So to that end, I'll probably... I think the only thing <laughs> I'll watch in its entirety is Deep Space Nine because she was trying to sell me on that one in particular. Yeah, that shit is good. So I think I've talked about it before. I'm watching the entire... All of Star Trek in release order. So I've started... I'm on like... I'm about to hit the end of season two, Deep Space Nine, which is great. So I, I was watching like an episode of Next Gen and then Deep Space Nine, and uh, which is cool because I've heard a lot of people be like, like, oh, like that's cool, but like it doesn't, like there's not really anything that really carries over. And I, I guess I could see why people would say that, but it totally like benefits, like. Like watching it that way like for one thing like chief o'brien goes to deep space nine <laughs> and if, well, yeah yeah and if there's, you, there's more than one character too who crosses over right? yeah i'm not quite there yet because like i'm like i just finished next gen everybody else is still like i know wharf goes eventually uh but o'brien like if you were just watching next gen o'brien just disappears <laughs> <laughs> but, but if you watch like the first or second episode of Deep Space Nine, like you see Picard go and like, you know, he meets with Cisco and he says bye to to uh, O'Brien and shit. And there's some there's some stuff between Picard and Cisco, right? <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> Picard's uh, when Picard was like Borgified, when he was all fucking cutest out and shit. He uh, was responsible for like the attack that killed Cisco's wife, so there was some tension there. Yeah. But uh, Deep Space Nine is like super good. Like they're both super good in different ways. Like. Well, yeah, it's a different, decidedly different experience. I mean, one by virtue of the fact that Deep Space Nine is a space station. It's stationary. Mm -hmm. It's. It's not about traveling and exploring per se. Yeah. I'm guessing it's more about meeting people. Yeah, they kind of get around that with the wormhole, though. Like. Oh, the wormhole? Yeah, that's, you know, in the intro, you know, like it goes around and then the big hole opens up and then shit comes out. <laughs> that's the whole thing is like, uh, like it begins with like the Cardassians, like, are like leaving Deep Space Nine. And they're leaving their occupation of Bajor, and then, but then suddenly everyone's interested uh, in this little area outside of Bajor because the wormholes opened up in Deep Space Nine. It's like, and then there's Federation presence. So 
but it, it like the wormhole gives access to like a far far out part of the galaxy so that's like kind of uncharted and like a little mysterious okay and so everyone's yeah. gonna need to come to deep space nine to like refuel and communicate do all that other shit right yeah so the sort of exploration that you lose with being on a spaceship you kind of gain back with being so close to the wormhole and like going through it and like doing shit in the gamma quadrant so there's like more information being processed through deep space nine by virtue of other people mm-hmm. okay. well, well the crew is always leaving to do shit too and they're like they're kind of like the middle ground for Bajor and Bajor is like there's all these politicians and stuff that are moving around and like yeah yeah political unrest we totally can't relate to that right now. <laughs> yeah dude there is an episode of a couple days ago that I watched that was very much like I think it was like second to last episode of TNG uh, there, there's been a couple recently oh there yeah there was one Andy Space Night so this was what, what I was gonna talk about was like people are saying like oh you don't have to but like there's a few like character crossovers but they're not like heavily like part one is TNG and part two is Deep Space Nine but these last few episodes that I've watched it's been like it's been like like big political happenings in Deep Space Nine that are then like affecting episodes of Next Gen and you do see like a character like that's an, pretty cool yeah there's an admiral that talks to Cisco and then talks to Picard in the next episodes and they're kind of dealing with the same situation but it, it'd be really like like Star Trek would have to pick up a bit more it, it would be really cool to have like multiple to have that again but I guess maybe like from the start mm-hmm. like multiple series kind of going simultaneously and like organically crossing over based on events going on in each of the stories. Damn it. This tea is going to stain my shirt. <laughs> it's, um, but you know, it's kind of like, kind of like the appeal of like, like the MCU, the cinematic universes in general, and why I wish more people would hop onto it, but do it right rather than lament the fact that it exists is like there's all kinds of like crazy ass opportunity for storytelling across not even just multiple films or multiple TV shows whatever just you can tell you can literally have the same event happen in two different genres and look at it from two different perspectives and you know there's just a whole lot of untapped potential yeah it's weird because I'm thinking about that a lot because like everything on the Enterprise is always Enterprise is always like super squeaky, squeaky clean and like mm-hmm. they're exploring the galaxy and they're they're very much like a they're sort of a military but not really. I mean they're they're like a they nice, have they're military like a, means but they're yeah. like diplomats. They're kind of like the Navy a little bit, but like yeah. they're they're spacey. They're you in spacey. They're explorers. Which is what, what basically what the space military is called in Macross. Mm. But uh, yeah, and I've started to really like slowly. I 
I started to realize like, oh, Deep Space Nine is like kind of cyberpunk. Like you, like a big setting is Quark's Bar, and Quark's Bar is like where all the CD deals go down and gambling. It's cyberpunk and, like, as fuck. Yeah, dude, and it's crazy. Like I didn't, it didn't really hit me over the head until like there was an episode a bit ago where we actually got to see uh, like what Odo and, and like Kira were doing before the Cardassians left the station so it was under Cardassian rule and everything was like dark and smoky and like super cyberpunk and like super oppressed and then I just saw another one like we were just talking about with the universe and shit like I just saw a really sick episode where Kira and Bashir go through the wormhole and like something's wrong with whatever and they end up getting transported to the the parallel universe that Kirk went to back in the day like remember when Kirk went to go see like evil evil Kirk and evil Spock and shit oh oh, goatee Kirk and goatee Spock (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was great so like they they show up and it's totally like you know like this classist like cyberpunk dystopia of a space station like Cardassians and and, like the Bajorans and the and the the Klingons are like running shit like it's crazy and the the humans are like the lowest level cast damn but uh it's crazy like so Kira was like the head of the station and Kira like met Kira and like the evil Kira <laughs> like knew right away she's like oh I know what this was she's like have you ever heard of a guy called Kirk and our major Kira didn't know who the fuck he was for some reason I guess because she's Bajoran I don't know and she's not part of the federation uh, but, she's got her own problems to deal with yeah so they tie it in by saying that when Kirk went to like the evil universe he like kind of like changed Spock like evil Spock so Kirk, yeah. Kirk left and evil Spock kind of became like good and built up like he, uh, he became a leader and, and like built up a big coalition and they got rid of their arms and, probably that dedication to uh, logic yeah well he dedicated or he you know he he grew this alliance and then they were so peaceful that they disarmed and then like the Klingons and the Cardassians and I guess the Bajorans just rolled over them and enslaved humanity (laughs) because they're fucking barbarians yeah I guess so yeah that that was wild let me just like heads up to anyone listening barbarism is the hard counter to pacifism (laughs) And yeah. it it only works because you're fucking stupid. So you know, don't don't be barbar. Yeah, but it was cool to see evil versions of all the Deep Space Nine cast, or not even necessarily evil, but just opposite. Like, yeah, like Kira was for sure evil. Evil Odo was a fucking bastard. <laughs> he would be yeah. Evil Odo would be scary as fuck. Yeah, he was a Man. bastard. Uh. But we do get to see. <laughs> My favorite part was, I guess, spoilers. Uh, 
Bashir fucking kills the shit out of Evil Odo. <laughs> just fucking shoots him with a phaser beam and he just fucking splats everywhere. He just explodes and uh, in a big explosion of goo. Damn. That was great. It's funny because since, since Star Trek is really <laughs> about that, the rare moments where that happens are always hysterical to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was another. It was a like a let's play channel that turned into a podcast. And now, anytime I find the opportunity, I like plug this clip from. I think it was like the end of uh, TGS. They were trying before they figured out what to do with the Borg. They were trying to work some villain that was like a, a like like a, a species of parasitic organisms or something. Mm-hmm. And some guy, some this this creature had possessed some dude, and Picard and Riker just fucking waste his ass. <laughs> I don't remember. I'll send you the clip later. But Star Trek could they could run into some like, like, like there's a certain character that went out, and they that whole episode was dedicated to fighting this really evil being. And that was pretty. That was pretty grimy. But uh, yeah, it was cool to see uh, Evil Cisco, who was more like he had like worked his way up, like out of the the like mines, and he was kind of like a he was kind of like a pirate for Kira. But uh, and then at the end, he he becomes like a he decides to rebel and like. So that was cool. And of course, uh, the opposite, like Bizarro Cork, uh, is actually like a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> like Kira tries to ask him for a favor, and she's like, "How much latinum?" He's like, "What's latinum?" <laughs> like, like, what? In what way is he not always trying to like pull some kind of deal mm. or something? Yeah, it's just not. He's he's actually helping. Uh, refugees escape from the mines ah so he 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 just he's just about altruism yeah i guess so Hmm. um it's kind of (laughs) neat it's like the the handful of episodes from deep space nine i've seen that was one of the things that kind of stuck with me is that like this this fucker is always thinking about money. It's great. I love the. Doesn't that get tiring? Yeah, I love the rules of acquisition. They're my favorite. Number I think two fifty eight. No, is is no good deed goes unpunished. I think my favorite is. I think it's like, I forget what number it is, but it's uh. Dignity in an empty sack is worth a sack. <laughs> <laughs> They're all great. He has one for every situation. <sighs> Lord. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, anyway, going back to what I was saying before about, like, stuff kind of getting close to home, it was like... It, there was both a DS9 episode and a uh, next-gen episode that were kind of dealing with... Uh, like this peace treaty that between the Cardassians and the uh, I guess the Bajorans or the Federation yeah the Cardassians and the Federation had, they kind of like divided territory up which made it so that some planets 
who were Federation on the border ended up becoming Cardassian owned and then and vice versa. So they actually did this uh, one episode that was like it reminded me of the old original series stuff where where like you know you would go to a planet and it would be like oh my god it's a Nazi planet <laughs> and then Kirk went to one planet where it was all Native Americans <laughs> but uh they did an episode where it was like it was all like there were like natives who had moved from Earth and settled on this planet for like 20 years and then Captain Kirk had to go and tell these natives like sorry we gotta we gotta move you <laughs> because of the treaty which was like oh this is very you know they obviously had something to say with that but uh yeah, there's two reasons why like that original series would do something it was either they had something to say or that was those were the props they were able to get a hold of <laughs> yeah Cut all these Nazi uniforms guess we're going to a Nazi planet (laughs) yeah it's like oh hey we found some Greek shit okay I guess we're gonna do an episode where Greek gods are aliens yeah did the one where it was uh, an entire world of warring 1920s gangsters (laughs) (laughs) so great I think that's the one where Kirk tries to pass Spock off as a Chinese man (laughs) but uh so yeah, there there is all this kind of business between like Cardassian, like settlers being forced to move because of Cardassians and like secret alliances and and like there is very much some lines being drawn of like here is how we do things as the Federation and like we know these group of like rebels from the Federation who are trying to fight the Cardassians for this little bit of territory are like they're they're being pushed out of their homes but we signed this treaty so it was very much like it was just giving me vibes of today where it's it's like you know that you have one group that's like a little like militarized and and radical versus like sort of the establishment like this quote-unquote like good establishment trying to like mitigate that and like mm-hmm. you know trying to negotiate with these people who are uh basically were oppressing so many people um and now are kind of low-key still doing it yeah so that was i thought that was interesting i and i i'm it was star trek so it was like it was all super nuanced like i really enjoyed it um, oh yeah but like I I really am digging the Cardassians like they're just motherfuckers like yeah I was thinking it never, it never stops with them yeah and I was thinking about this it's kind of like they're kind of like Nazis basically they're like they're like if the Nazi regime kind of like negotiated a peace treaty and then you have all these kind of Nazi war criminals who are kind of still running around in, oh you mean Brazil in government 
No, no, no. I'm, I'm saying alternate reality. Like, if they were allowed to, like, still run Germany. Mm, I see. They were still allowed to, like, yeah. move politically. Yeah. You know, with their flag proudly. Yeah. Yeah, if, I see. Yeah. It's so, it's, yeah, it's just really interesting. It's like, well, you got to get France back and stuff, but, you know, you can do your thing over there. Like, don't get greedy. Mm-hmm. So, it's just really they're such fascinating characters like like gold ducat is like <laughs> he's every, he's always turning up he's always finding a way back to the station and he's such a bastard but there's something kind of like likable about him because they all kind of like toe that line yeah you know, mm-hmm. they're not like the nazis that you like the like the you know the diehard ones that you know shot themselves at the end they're kind of like the middle guys yeah. Like you know the like those higher ups that are kind of like oh he, we know the Fuhrer is crazy, but hey, we, Hitler was a charismatic dude. He wouldn't have been able yeah. to pull off that shit if he didn't have you know if he couldn't appeal to people. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm saying there's like there were Nazis who were Nazis, but still probably didn't agree with everything that was going on. But were still you yeah. know like total pieces of shit and like did bad shit. Like, all those guys floating around in the middle ground are kind of like what the Cardassians are. Mm. They're like... And there's a lot of... Man, and they... The way they talk about this stuff is so interesting. Mm-hmm. They they cover, like, you know, Cardassians who are, like, tremendously guilty about shit, too. Mm-hmm. And, like, an episode I just watched, they talked about, like, uh, collaborators... Like Bajoran collaborators who who kind of were you know either working underneath the Cardassian regime and and like exiled from the planet or whatever. It's like man, they they really crafted this this whole thing out, and that's why it's so impressive when I when you see that shit start to show up in Next Generation mm-hmm. and still done so well. It's like this whole like conflict is is like so extremely well thought out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I just like I watched an episode, one of the last episodes of Next Gen. You see a character who was kind of she was around throughout the show, but she kind of like decides to like like she's still the same character, but she decides to like leave, like and and go fight with these like rebels, and it's like whoa, like mm-hmm. that's really cool. And it wasn't like fuck you guys. It was just like sorry. Like I got to do what I, I gotta, believe in. I gotta do this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping she shows back up in Deep Space Nine because she's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was sad that there's there's not enough Whoopi in the last season. Yeah, she was. She, um, Guinan. She was really neat. Yeah, I liked Guinan a lot, and I was like. I was looking it up. I guess she was written into the last few episodes, but they wrote her out because I guess Whoopi was Whoopi was being she was busy being Whoopi in the nineties. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sister Act movies really yeah. took off. She was doing, yeah, doing other stuff. Yeah, yeah. So she was kind of she was a little too busy for Star Trek at that point, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. That's still still the first thing I'll always think of is that bit where she encounters Q. 
puts her hands up like she's gonna do some magic and i was like whoa what was that no 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 stop stop i, I need to know what she was about to do <laughs> i don't remember i think it was the episode where q lost his powers or something hmm i have such a my perspective on Q kind of changed over time because I really did not like him mm. for the longest time. And then the the one that got me was, did you see the one where he takes Picard like back through time to like relive his youth, kind of? I may have, but my memory... I'm pretty sure I have, but my memory of it's kind of hazy. Mm. He basically takes him back to his school days. Um, yeah, where he, he's, he's like some like, like cocky little shit getting in the fights and all that. Yeah, yeah, and there's uh, like yeah, a, I have a vague memory of it. Yeah, this is where you find out he has like an artificial heart, mm-hmm. that, and so there's some problem in it with it in the present. Um, he so Q takes him back to like that time when he had to have the surgery or whatever, and blah blah blah. But that episode kind of turned me around on Q. Mm-hmm. I thought he was. He was less of a piece of shit. I like him best when he has something to say. Mm-hmm. Versus just make. being like misanthropy incarnate. Yeah, a piece of shit. Like just a fucking... <laughs> just a fucking goofy. He's kind of like the mix, Mr... all-powerful dick. Yeah, he's like Mr. Mixel-Spitalik mm-hmm. from Superman. He really is. He just shows up so many times, but... Um, yeah so it was like it was sad for me to watch the last two episodes today mm-hmm. also mad because I on Amazon it's like a 90 minute thing and they're in there like two episodes but I looked it up and apparently there was like a two hour finale and what I think what I watched had a bunch of shit cut out so now I gotta like find yeah. a version that has the full thing um, but yeah, I was. I'm sad it's over, but I'm also like pretty stoked to get to the movies. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing Generations in theaters because my mom was really psyched for it. Hmm. Did you like it? Um, I didn't really know much about Star Trek at the time, but I thought it was okay. Uh, I didn't have an opinion of Picard, but that movie is when I kind of got the impression, oh, oh, okay, I get it. Picard's a wuss. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why do you but say I that? Watched la- I watched later episodes and then eventually figured out what Star Trek was actually about. <laughs> yeah, it's about fucking... It's about taking like a part from your tricorder and putting it in another part with your phaser and then like heating something up so you can escape a cell. (laughs) It's about solving problems by being smart versus being strong or determined or angry or punchy. Yeah, I I will say that it's the, the thing that I like. Like, I don't really compare Star Trek and Star Wars, but in terms of conflict in in both of them, I mean, it's called Star Wars, but mm-hmm. I just think it's just from an aesthetic standpoint, it's just way more punchy, you know? Like, phasers yeah. don't really 
have the same punch there are, as a There are tools that you can use as weapons versus yeah. a lightsaber, which is a weapon. Yeah, even even the ones that they do carry around as Actually, weapons. No, though it's it's tools you can use as weapons versus weapons you can use as tools. Yeah. But they do have like weapons, you know. Like even like, they do. like ship to ship combat is like mm-hmm. it's a little slow. <laughs> Well, it's also a lot more like a uh, methodical strategic. It's like you're usually having to like trick someone into doing something more so than just, oh, our ships have better guns. Yeah, but Star Wars does that too pretty well. It's it's well, how do I put this like like ship ship combat in Star Trek is closer to like naval and submarine based combat where yeah. you deal with a lot of other stuff versus Star Trek where it's just okay, pilot versus pilot, let's do it. And every once in a while, some crafty shit happens. Yeah, but I, I just mean in terms of like the weapons, like the way they fire and the way they sound and stuff. Because there's like there's a really good episode of uh, Clone Wars where, and there's probably a few, but there's a really good one where they kind of do it like there's two like bigger ships and they kind of play it like the Hunt for Red October. Which I haven't seen, so I don't know why. I'm, I'm just assuming it's like that. <laughs> but uh, they play it like really tense and, and cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So well, the other thing, the other big difference between the two is that one is primarily a series, and the other is primarily films. Yeah. But you know, given time, the two get to cross over, and so you get to have. Like as much as people, Star Trek fans in particular, like to complain about those uh, reboot movies, mm-hmm. you do get to have like you like your action, your a lot of the stuff that people enjoyed about Star Wars, you get to see in that, and then vice versa when you get the Clone Wars, like what you were saying, where yeah. they get to you know they do a series and now they get to have moments where they can take their time, build stuff up, create tension, do all that other, yeah. At their core, they're different beasts, but they're kind of mm-hmm. different beasts by almost being in separate subgenres of sci-fi. Yeah. Have you so seen comparing the, them is really weird. Have you seen The Mandalorian yet? Not yet. I've been like thinking really hard about turning off Netflix for a minute and turning on Disney Plus, mm. kind of to watch Mandalorian, but then also some other stuff like. Uh, Rewatch uh, Gargoyles and some other cartoons. Yeah, I don't think I'm. And getting that 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 big pack that has like ESPN and uh, Hulu as well. Yeah, I probably watch some movies. Maybe see if I can get some boxing on in ESPN because that's kind of all I care about in regards to sports. Yeah, I probably won't turn Netflix back on again. They did something the other day, and I was like, all right, I don't think I need to turn that back on. But so far, Prime's been doing a pretty good job. I mean, I'm watching all of Star Trek, so... And, like, with Prime, I get all the delivery shit and stuff, but... Yeah. Yeah, you should watch I, The Mandalorian. It's super good. I appreciate Netflix because they're trying to appeal more to the uh, anime crowd. They actually got... Uh, not only did they get Megalobox on there recently, but they have, like, a dub of it on there, too. So I rewatched that. Mm. Uh, they got... Uh, last airbender on there also there's there's a couple of things on there i need to rewatch, and i need to finish fucking twin peaks before i turn <laughs> that off yeah 
Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks isn't anywhere else. Oh, you know what else they got? Well, Amazon Prime seems to have all of Star Trek, so that's good for me. Um, but they also have all of Columbo. <laughs> You're an old man. Right, Columbo's fucking amazing. Have you ever watched Columbo? I have not. It's brilliant. It's so good. Peter Falk's a badass. But you've never watched it. Huh? It's crazy because you watch it and then the setup is kind of the same every time. Like the first like 10 to 15 minutes, like you don't even see Columbo. The first 10 to 15 minutes is just you're just watching somebody for whatever reason just kill somebody. Like mm-hmm. preparing to set up a murder or maybe it happens in the heat of the moment and then you spend time watching them cover it up. Or, you know, they. I love it because I just I love watching like crazy assholes like do their thing and just not be able to see outside of themselves. <laughs> you know, I just I just love that type of thing. So you get to spend like ten to fifteen minutes watching that like a <laughs> just a absolute maniac of a person like cover their tracks and shit and like try to you know go back to work and be like oh yeah you know I was a I was at the gym. You can ask the guy. I walked in the front door, and then I walked out the back, the front door, uh, an hour later. <laughs> I got this alibi. Here, uh, check out this alibi. Okay, Bob, you want to yeah. go ahead and get those boxes and get back to work? I got an alibi, I swear. My car was parked out the entire time. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and so eventually, you know, about 15, 20 minutes in... You know, there's a crime scene or whatever, and they're sitting there like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. My wife is dead. And then the cops are all around, and then Lieutenant Columbo rolls up and his fucking beater, like, kind of poking his head around, being like... And he's always, like, he's he puts on this thing of, like, oh, hello, hi, how are you? Nice to meet you. I'm Lieutenant Columbo. I just want to ask you a few questions. I'm sorry to bother you. Like, he's very much like... Don't worry about me. Like, I'm sorry to inconvenience you. And it it happens, like, every episode, too. Like, you know, there's that initial meeting, and he's like, he's like, well, I gotta investigate this as a homicide. And then he'll just keep... You know how it goes. he, He keeps coming back to, like, the person, and he'll, like... He'll come back to their home. He'll show up at their work. <laughs> They'll be like, Columbo, what are you doing here? And he's just like, I just had one more question. And his big thing is like, he'll, he'll turn to leave the room. And he'll stop and he'll go, uh, oh, uh, just one more thing. That's like his catchphrase. Mm-hmm. And then he'll, that's when he'll like hit him with the hard question. Hit him with that atom bomb. Yeah. So, and it's... And you don't really see... Like, you see Columbo at work. You never see, like, his personal life. Like, he talks about a lot of things. He talk Whenever there's something, like, new or hip that he's, like, just heard of, heard of he's heard it from his nephew. <laughs> like, oh, my nephew was trying to teach me. and Or, like, he talks about Mrs. Columbo a lot. I don't think he ever says her real first name. And I don't think we ever see her. <laughs> is she real yeah she's real okay. <laughs> we just never see much of him I think he gets a dog at one point <laughs> <laughs> but he's great he's just like a bumbling detective who's actually a genius 
and it's crazy because the formula is like it's very much like I guess procedural so but like every week like every episode it's like it's like nuts like Leonard Nimoy I think I don't know if I've watched that one but he was a killer once I think I know there's an episode I haven't seen yet uh, where Johnny Cash is the killer it's just like all these people show up and play killers it's like it's pretty cool uh, but yeah it's such a good what show reminds me is, is that's like the show I, the old show I want to go back and watch like I would watch random episodes of it whenever I had access to cable I'm not sure where I would go to watch it it's a quantum leap yeah fuck all about that shit for a minute yeah the 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 idea the setting the the intro yeah <laughs> everything about that i'm like anytime you put that intro on in front of me it's like okay i have to watch this episode yeah fuck it was i remember i was living here when my grandma was still alive and going to school and like see about time when I would go to bed I would there's a little TV in, in my room and I would just turn it on and quantum leap would be on a lot of times so I'd be, just be watching it and be like <laughs> the moment like before the intro where he like turns to like look at the mirror and see what he is now <laughs> oh yeah well, yeah that was that was always the hook yeah at the very end of each episode he he realized okay what am I this time and yeah he, okay I gotta watch the next one <laughs> man I remember there was one where he was a black guy in like the south being chased by the clan that one had like a special outro huh. and I remember it because I would always catch the outro and never the episode hmm interesting but yeah, that was such a good show too fuck that's it that's it and yeah. I think I think the the not so not just the premise but like the weird like crossover between like scientific and supernatural really spoke to me hmm. well okay you've, you've kind of hit this point where okay now the two are basically one and the same and you're existing in this weird space and it it's stuff like that i guess to me is what i imagine star trek is to you like what um instance where instances where science and either supernatural spirituality whatever kind of like cross like this mm. this this thing is the meeting point yeah now the two are one and the same and you know you go from there yeah it's definitely more over in there like it's it's interesting watching deep space nine too because uh you know it's it's all like hard sci-fi and you know most of the like United Federation of Plants or whatever and all the humans have become secular but it there's a lot of yeah like Bajor is almost like it's almost like run by like the Catholic Church <laughs> like it's it's run by like a priesthood but they're all like politicians too and they're you know the prophets and all this shit and like so it is very like it kind of floats in that realm where like the first episode is where like uh cisco goes into the wormhole and encounters these beings who these crazy beings that don't 
experience time the same way that we do like they don't experience it in a linear fashion the whole episode's about that but it's it's in it's like in in one way like in cisco's viewpoint it's like i encountered these aliens that live in this wormhole and they don't like this is how they perceive time and stuff but when like we start talking about bajorans about this and like they get involved they're like oh you you're like an emissary you went and you talked to the prophets directly so he's got this kind of he's kind of like in the middle of these these two worlds like he's trying to like like Cisco's not like a religious person but all these people end up coming to him as like you are kind of someone special seeking counsel with him on that front yeah, not even like seeking counsel, but they like recognize him as like a, as like having had this great spiritual experience. Ah, okay. Um, it's interesting. Yeah. But yeah. I think my mom was trying to communicate some aspect of that to me without spoiling anything. Mm. Yeah. It goes back to more of the politics of all that. It's. I love that. Like, I always loved the, like, all the political episodes of TNG and and the original series, too, but it's funny for kind of shifting almost to a different genre. It's like DS9 is even more, like, political than the other ones. But, uh, yeah. Quantum Leap. <laughs> that might be once I if I ever finish all of Star Trek that might be what I have to go through after the next thing yeah yeah if I can find a go to place to watch it I might get to that sooner rather than later mm. yeah Cause I, I need I need something to stimulate my brain in a good way because like what's going on outside has been doing it in a decidedly more distressing manner yeah, I'm trying to like. I deleted the Instagram app, and I've been trying to stay off Twitter, um, just because it's bad for me. But also, what really got me off recently is I'm trying to avoid Last of Us two spoilers. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. My fucking game is not coming until Tuesday. I ordered on Amazon because <laughs> I like physical copies. And that's 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 the new hotness in regards to topics gaming yeah. right now, folks. Is getting heated yeah yeah I, I've seen like a few things floating around but like I've tried to avoid like I know I'm gonna like it I just I can't wait to rip into that game oh man what was I gonna say oh yeah speaking of quantum leap I always forget I randomly turned on a Last night, I was like, okay, I don't want to, like, start the last episode of Star Trek now. I just want something, like, kind of easy to, like, put me to sleep or whatever. So I turned on Air Force One. (laughs) (laughs) And I always forgot uh, Dean Stockwell's in that movie. Who I think is... What's, uh... What's, uh, Scott Bakula's... What's the... His buddy's name in Quantum Leap? I can't remember. Is it Harry or something? 
Anyway, he's in Air Force One. <laughs> yeah, his uh, fairy godmother type character. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen Air Force One? Stockwell. Al. That's it, right? Al, yeah. Yeah, Dean Stockwell. Yeah, uh, no, I haven't seen Air Force <laughs> One. Um, it's funny you mentioned that. My my go-to for that as you know the comforting thing to help me sleep as of late, because it's on Crackle, has been the uh, first two seasons of the Men in Black cartoon. Oh fuck, that's on Crackle. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. And and let me just like while I have the stage, let me just <laughs> tell you guys, that cartoon has maybe one of the best openings not just for an American made cartoon <laughs> but literally any cartoon it was good I remember it always putting good vibes into my brain that shit was tight and it also has like the best part of any opening which is the music hitting a high note as some big shit happens <laughs> which in the case of that opening is you know the high note coming as the alien transforms into the big scary thing mm. looming over them and then Jay pulls out the noisy cricket and Kay gives him that look. <laughs> Man. Fuck, that cartoon is so good. That cartoon is super good. I Fuck, I need to get into that. That's so tight. God. I always remember, whenever I think about tuna melts, I think about that episode. <laughs> yeah, I saw that episode not too long ago. <laughs> yeah. Tuna melt. Yeah. Like the the go to like the memory I always have is not even necessarily the tuna melt so much as uh, Jay decides to try what the aliens are eating and he's like, Oh god <laughs> Yeah. I always remember he had the uh the like suppressor for his noisy cricket. Oh yeah. <laughs> so it wouldn't blow him back all the time. Was it was still idea. powerful as all hell. Yeah. Man. I don't even remember too much about that show, just that it was good. Yeah, it, it'll probably hit you the same way you'll hit it, it hit me, whereas, like, you'll be watching an episode, you'll see something that reminds you, and then you'll, like, remember yeah. everything. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, this is the episode where that <laughs> happens. Oh, God, that guy, he's a reoccurring villain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's how it was watching Star Trek. Where, uh, yeah. Uh, I, uh, you heard of that game Kingdom Come Deliverance? I've seen a picture of it. Like, I see a picture of it pop up everywhere. Mm. But I don't actually know what it's about. It just takes place in, like, the 1300s or 1400s or something like that. Medieval times. I don't know. It was on a fucking... It's, I had it on my wish list. And then today I got a notification that it's on sale, but it's also, like, free to play for the weekend. Uh. So, uh... I played a little bit of that today. That's interesting. Yeah. What'd you think? 
It's cool. I like it. It's kind of like it's almost like a sim version of Oblivion (laughs) (laughs) or Skyrim or something. Not sim, but it's like more grounded. It must be. Well, yeah, much more grounded. It's not fantasy based. It's like historical based. So it seems like there's a lot of systems for stuff. One of the things that and I heard someone say this on a stream the other day about it. Uh, and then I was reminded when it pop-up told me that it was like, uh, like you can't read a person of your class whose parents were this were, uh, would not have had schooling and you can't read. You can learn to read, but you can't read. <laughs> so it's like kind of that level of, of I sim. See. It's like, you can't read, but you sure as hell know how to farm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just played a little bit of it, and it seems cool. Nothing's really happened yet. I'm still kind of learning, but I went to. It's very much like it's very historical. Like there's all this history involved, and kings doing shit, and I don't know. It's interesting. Like uh, I went. Uh, around with a, my gang of Rufian friends and we threw a bunch of horse shit at somebody's house. Yeah. And then I had to go uh, collect some money from some guy and then he, he beat my ass and then I went and got my friends and then we came back and beat his ass. <laughs> and then I sold his axe. That's how it goes sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, looking at a video for it now. It seems like something I would inevitably rent at some point. Mm. Yeah. I was happy to see that there was a demo for it. I might pick it up. It seems interesting. Have you been playing anything? Uh, primarily Samurai Showdown, specifically Samurai Showdown 2. Samurai Showdown 2 is just like a way-ass better version of Samurai Showdown 1. Like, the only knock I can put against the game is that the last boss of it is super way busted and unfair. Mm. Otherwise, like all the changes they made to the characters from 1 to 2... I really enjoyed the uh, designs are good. The aesthetics are top notch. It's just like a good ass game, mm. and I'm pl- I'm trying to like work through all the games on there, uh, both uh, you know all one through four, and then the various iterations of five. Ugh. And then eventually get the uh, 2019 game try and get good enough to play online without embarrassing myself yeah (laughs) that's the story of me and Tekken right now Uh, I might shoot another I played a little bit today I might shoot the video to YouTube did okay but just trying to learn lay just like watching videos and stuff about like sidestepping and all this other stuff it's weird because of my journey with Tekken it's like 
it feels like I kind of started over last year when I started playing online, like and taking it a little more serious and watching videos and stuff. But it's also kind of like I'm in this weird spot where I'm like not really the 20 year veteran I should be, but I'm also not a beginner. So, so I'm like figuring out what I'm doing right and wrong. Like, like realizing like, like, Oh, like I, like I, I don't know. Like I just can Korean backdash on a pad. Like I didn't even know that I was really doing it before, but like I, I do it now. And like learning about like wave dashing and electrics there. I like, I, I don't think I ever did an electric, an electric on purpose, <laughs> like, like ever before last year with Kazuya. Like, it's probably something I would have seen in Tekken 2 and been like, oh, if you do it faster, it does this. But then I just didn't get it. <laughs> like, yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's really weird. Like, my whole journey of, like, realizing that I've been playing it for so long, but I've been playing it, like, weirdly or not properly. I see. Yeah. And then on, on top of that, like deciding to play Lay, who <laughs> is like, yeah, not really. Like, isn't he yeah. one of the most complicated characters to play as? He's complicated and he's super unconventional. So you can learn uh, to play him by doing a bunch of stupid shit, and and not by like honing your fundamentals. Yeah, which is probably why I'm like much higher rank with Lei than I am with Kazuya but I think my fundamentals are like solid but they're not like you know other people who have been playing for 20 years yeah I've been off and on kind of contemplating trying to take a more serious crack at that um, I like rage quit it roughly a year ago yeah uh, it was just making me feel way more bad than good. Yeah, that's how it goes. <laughs> I know that feeling. Um, thinking back to it, though, that there were points in time, specifically when I was playing two and three, where you know I would just have like a lot of time to kill, no hope of getting a new game, and just wanting something different. So I'd like either sit down and try and like learn like a seven eight whatever hit combo or try to get really good with another character or just be like okay i'm gonna figure out how to use every character in this game yeah where if i if i had a community of people to play with during that time i'd probably be way better at the yeah. game yeah it's a huge thing same with me like the only person I've ever really had to play the game with is you. <laughs> yeah, 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 same. <laughs> yeah. And then we I we always get our ass kicked online. You know, what I, you know what I miss is being able to like co op and tag two online. That was cool. Oh yeah. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's weird to feel like I'm I don't know how much of it is like learning Tekken 7 specifically versus, I don't know, I guess it's, I don't know. I imagine a lot of it is 7 specifically. 
Yeah, but seven is really just kind of a refinement of going all the way back to five. The game kind of. Well, you skipped six too. Yeah, I did. Then I came back for tag two. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. Well, there's been a lot of chatter about like Tekken Eight, like not from the devs, but from the community. Like, there's like the question of would you want them to re- keep refining it? and make it more balanced and like fix a lot of things or innovate and do something like a bit different. Uh, any particular ideas in regards to the different? No. Um, but think of it like the leap between like four and five, something like that where they, you know, started to focus more on like juggling and shit and like combos and adding like walls and stuff like that because as much as I used to bitch about 4 there's things I appreciated Uh, it felt like there was kind of a shrinking of things uh, narratively in 4 that kind of reflected in gameplay you had like a smaller pool of stages a smaller pool of characters but Mm. an effort to kind of like refine and enhance within that smaller pool yeah so if you kind of did something like that with eight i guess i would be interested personally Mm. but i don't know i kind of seven story like really broke something inside of me <laughs> it's pretty bad so a lot of a lot of my interest in Tekken has kind of reduced significantly mm. um, but but to that end there isn't a whole lot they could do wrong for me now mm. just it's like okay as long as I don't hate it yeah but I, just, I mean we could talk about like the story and aesthetics and stuff but in terms of like gameplay it's solid would you want them to radically change something about it? Um, Someone else. There isn't a whole lot I can really think of mm. to that end that I would like really want. Um, I will say that the slow-mo function was something I really enjoyed. Yeah. Slow-mo is super hype. So like things you could do to make things more cinematic mm. or more, more fun to watch visually. Like something I've uh, kind of gone, been off and on about in regards to DOA and competitive play, specifically like tournament play, is as much hype as you can find in the like, you know, watching the game live. Uh, the uh, training mode also has like a dynamic camera function where you can kind of like fuck around with the camera as things are, you know, as the fight's going on. Hmm. And there's a lot of fun to be had with that in regards to you know turning the AI on itself, cranking it up, and letting it go nuts. Hmm. In what game? A DOA. Oh, right. That's been in that for a while. But um, something I've always kind of found like thought to be an interesting idea, specifically for competitive play, as something to watch for entertainment, mm-hmm. is kind of like taking those competitive matches 
having people go in back with that dynamic camera and really mess with it to make it more visually cinematic, kind of tell a story with the fights, mm-hmm. and then put that in front of people. Yeah. Kind of like like, like messing around with, you know, existing legitimate competitive stuff. Maybe like make it an option so you can either watch it live and get that direct thing. Or if you want to watch something with a bit more visual appeal, a bit more artistry to it, you can watch those uh, edited matches. It's something I'd like to see, but I don't know who, if anyone's going to try and do that. Yeah. Uh, So do you mean like sort of like a video editing tool for like the replays or something like that? Well, um, I don't know if Tekken has it properly. I know DOA has it where you can like take... Um, existing video of like matches and stuff like that or like another function was in the training mode specifically like even in real time you could mess with the camera manually so kind of like taking like replays of matches and then messing around with the camera and that to make it more visually appealing yeah having the camera zoom in during the last hit or kind of like pan and pull back as like the a distance is formed between the two and then you know zoom in as the characters run towards each other yeah that could be cool I, I def- it definitely seems like something the community would latch on to because there's just so many people like you know people do tons of cool stuff like people already make compilation videos and stuff and mm-hmm. also like people would be able to use that to like really dive in when you see clips on you on twitter all the time and shit where they're like oh look at this fucking hitbox issue or like this doesn't look right or like this is fucking yeah. weird and like so if you could really zoom in there and see what it looks like yeah it's like oh yeah the ac- the actual hitbox is between here and here so if you throw a mid at this it'll actually miss yeah yeah that's what you mean yeah hmm. that could be interesting mm-hmm. i haven't really it's funny because we were talking about four, but four has kind of like oddly been, I don't want to say reevaluated recently by the community, but a lot of people have a big fondness for four, uh, mm-hmm. especially like aesthetically. It's interesting. Like the way, yes. the way, which I do like four and I like what they did. It's, it's a little, like people are talking about it the way you and I talk about like Tekken two. In terms of it having like a feeling and a style, and they they really like yeah, it. Yeah, it's got a decidedly different style and mood to it. Yeah, it's like kind of jazzy, mm-hmm. like strangely upbeat. Yeah, but it, yeah, I think some of it is the fact that it's it's a lot smaller. It's like yeah, it feels like it takes place in a single city. Yeah, you know, yeah, it, it yeah, I've said this before. It feels like it takes place in like you know in a matter of like a few blocks <laughs> yeah like all the stages are probably within walking distance of one another yeah there's like a all probably owned by the zaibatsu yeah it's like a hotel with like a shopping front and then there's like a there's a lobby and there's a rooftop to it and then there's the fight club going on in the parking garage and yeah <laughs> Yeah, and then, you wander a little ways off, and you got that weird little jungle. Maybe it yeah. takes place in Brazil or something. Oh, yeah, don't forget the actual parking garage. <laughs> yeah, where you ain't got one. Uh, that's well, I do. That's right, the jungle. I forgot about the, the and the jungle is like on the way out to 
the Zaibatsu. Mm-hmm. Like it's it. I think it's like you can get there from the arena because I know mm-hmm. if you like they leave the arena and go to Honmaru in, yeah. in the game. But then there's that travel like you travel through like a jungle in Tekken Force mode, and then you eventually reach uh like the the fucking old man diaper butts house is his major compound yeah i miss that i miss i want a co-op tech and force mode that yeah that would be one thing i i definitely appreciate yeah i would love that yeah and maybe like specific story stuff based on which combination of characters because <laughs> law and paul need to have some like like comedic shit going on some comedic action shit yeah we've talked about that before but it's such a shame that death by degrees didn't do well god if 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 any fighting game can pull that off like they'll 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 have like like a huge market for and, and Capcom sort of tried to do it back in the day with like different characters like you have uh, the characters from Final Fight you know Mike Hagar kind of had was part of a uh, wrestling game called Saturday Night Slam Masters hmm. um, you know kind of like using these characters to kind of spin off into other genres like you know Tekken could have been something if Death by Degrees worked and then you could have like king spin off into a wrestling game yeah steve spin off into a boxing game my lay uh, cop game your lay cop game and you can have like certain characters crossover <laughs> maybe at some point he has to stop nina from assassinating someone and he's got to investigate yeah. brian off on some grimy <laughs> shit maybe he's got to keep yoshimitsu from stealing something but then he realizes there's some chivalry to it and is like uh, i look the other way <laughs> Yeah, or you could do a a shitty isometric platformer with gin. <laughs> Where they really test my love for, for his theme from <laughs> Yeah, Jesus Christ. I can't I can barely listen I to that song anymore. I still love that song. Well the original is like good, but it's like Well, it's I I mean, it hits, but it's like if I hear it more than once in a row, it's just like I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Then again, I think I think Tekken Three is my favorite Tekken soundtrack. Just barely edges out too. Mm. I think they're tied for me. It's so good. It's weird because Tekken One has so much of the same music as Tekken Two. It's like, but man, Tekken Two is just so good. That intro. God, that intro is so good. Shit is so dark. Black winter night sky. Oh. Yeah. That's got a mood. It is a whole mood. Yeah. That's, you know, we were talking about, like, keeping the cast small. I I think that really helps with story, too. Oh, yeah. It's just, at a certain point, they're just adding characters and, Tekken has hit, I think, almost 50 characters at this point, Tekken 7. Yeah, it's like, I know you can't do everyone in the main story without it being kind of like Goofy and Clown Shoes, but I kind of wish rather than having those little one-offs for each of the characters, you maybe made a separate story mode. 
with everyone else doing kind of other shit. Maybe the primary characters popping in. <coughs> yeah. Something with a bit more effort to it. Or, or just like relegate the other characters to arcade mode for story stuff. That had more heart to it, honestly, than what they did. Yeah, I like that. With everyone else in seven. Yeah. There's too many characters. Because there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on with Nina and Anna right now. Where, like, did you ever think it would happen where Anna was the decidedly more sympathetic character in their rivalry? <laughs> Is she? That's exactly what's going on with her in Seven. Nina killed her husband. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> it's to the point where I've just kind of forgotten a lot of the stuff that's happened post-Five. It's like I'm looking at that thing. It's like, why aren't we talking about that? That's that's some shit. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. I, they need to... I don't know. They need to focus on the story. Just... And pare it down. Like I don't know. I'm kind of I'm kind of ready to be over it. it. It to be over after seven. I think they, they can... answered a lot of questions I wasn't asking. <laughs> yeah, I think they could bring it back down. I think Tekken Four was Tekken Four was good because they they just had that small roster and everyone had, you know, you could picture like the some of those endings work whether they win the tournament or or not. Like, mm-hmm. or, and I really liked how the events, you could pretty much get the gist of what happened, even though everybody's ending, it kind of contradicts a, a little bit, like Lei showing but up and everybody's endings. Yeah. There's, there's, there's enough kind of like cumulative DNA in there that it's easy to form a whole picture. Yeah. Where some aspect of everyone's endings occur. Yeah. Like, like maybe you can you can still you can maybe still have Jin's ending where he beats Diaper Butts and Kazuya and flies off, but is maybe a bit worn out and can't take out Huarong at like peak shittiness. Yeah, <laughs> which would also explain how indifferent he is to losing a fight to Huarong and yeah, needing to remind him, hey man, I just kicked your ass back there. Like, oh, okay, okay, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I just have to fight my dad and grandpa. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Wonder if I'll ever get good at that game. I think you will. We'll see. My hand's been starting to hurt a lot. <laughs> well, yeah, that was happening to me when I was trying to play with you for a minute. Like it stopped because it's like, okay, my hand. It's not not holding up. Yeah, these old man hands. I think I've had it get a little bad before, but I think it's usually, I think it's because of the way I was sitting at work in my in my office. I was using an old couch that I kind of pushed up to the desk, so I was kind of like had my hands up a little bit. Ah, okay, yeah. And I've been doing that for like a few months, and I think that's starting to like fuck my shit up. So I'm I'm put a chair back, and I'm have. I'm doing a little yeah, better that with can, it. That, that can fuck up the blood flow, amongst other things. Yeah, but... With a lot of unnecessary strain. I remember I was sitting in, like, the wrong chair for a desk I was in. and was having to kind of hold my arms up. <laughs> and my shit would get tired real quick. Yeah. 
I think um, it's weird because I've just realized that I'm so much better with Kazuya on a pad. Just that's twenty years, and like I got this stick, and it's like I can't, I can, I can't do anything with it. Like let let alone like I don't know if getting a tighter level lever would really fix all that much, but it's just like I can't Korean backdash on this thing. I can't. It's like really hard for me to wave dash. I like I got it for Kazuya because I, I my hand hurts when I play Kazuya on pad. It just like my thumb and shit it just cramps up for some reason. It doesn't do that when I play lay. It's just like the motions of like 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 the forward neutral and then like down forward and like the quarter circle motion over and over again and stuff it just hurts. So well, I don't know. Was there anything you wanted to bring up? Uh, can't really think of anything in particular other than telling you that, like, I don't know if you ever, because there's a bunch of different blackjack animes out there. It can be a little confusing. I don't know if you ever watched the, uh, you watched the uh, blackjack animated movie, right? I don't know if I saw the movie. I know I've seen some of the show. Uh, it's it's a uh, blackjack film by the same guy that did Golgo 13. Hmm. I don't so, think I've like, seen it. Okay. Well, one, you want to watch that. But two, there's a blackjack OVA series that has that same sort of visual style to it that got released on... Legally released on a website called Retro... Retro Crush, mm. and they're basically like a free anime streaming service that focuses on old stuff. It's it's a streaming service dedicated to old taku like me. Mm. But uh, I, I know you have some appreciation for Blackjack, so I was wanting yeah. you to try and watch that. I'm gonna. I don't think I've seen all of it. I've seen like a couple of episodes from it. They ran on this. I think it was called like the Asian Channel or some such shit. <laughs> But it was one of those like 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 mythical channels to like anime fans in mm. certain parts of California where it was like oh yeah they show anime on Sunday they show Dragon Ball and some some other shit mm. it was Dragon Ball and Slayers when I discovered it when I moved to Sacramento mm. but uh, yeah I saw it like ran on there briefly and that was how I saw a couple of episodes that's cool yeah well, that uh. I don't know if uh, Osama Tezaki worked on the OVAs proper, but it has that. It has his his look and a lot of his hallmarks to it. So it may have been him, and he's the guy who did uh, Golgo Thirteen, mm. which I subjected you to back when I had an anime podcast. Yeah, I liked Golgo Thirteen. I think. Yeah, the visuals were really good. There was some deeply disturbing shit in there. <laughs> I love deeply disturbing shit. Well, we were both. There's, there's. A, I think, I think the episode we did for that was a commentary track. So if you want to hear <laughs> how deeply disturbed we get by that yeah. shit, you can go back and play that old episode while watching that anime. Check the archives on HaylistenRadio.com. Yep. Yeah. Black Chuck. Um. Where can we find you? 
primarily on Twitter at Old Taku Connect. Mm. Um, I'm trying to finish up that 30 day movie challenge. Mm. Elements of that have been fun. Yeah. I gave up because I deleted Instagram. <laughs> um, I kind of don't really like. There's there's a handful of people I like look for on Twitter, but other than that, it's just you know like everywhere, it's bombarded with like news and shit. And I've been trying to conserve my mental health. Yeah, I'm fine with the news. It's just all the shitty hot takes. Well, that 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 comes with it. Oh, I just I, I hate everyone right now. <laughs> but uh yeah, I remember we were talking about this before. You said you were going to try and watch all of the movies. Have you been doing that? Uh no. That that fell through pretty quick. Mm. <laughs> but um a, a couple of them like like there's been a couple of them where I got like really hyped about being able to talk about it. Like I rewatched Bloodsport mm. when it came up. Uh, I'm probably gonna rewatch uh, Great Gatsby, specifically the Baz Luhrmann film, Great Gatsby again. Mm. It's all of that. I still haven't seen that. I didn't see that. It's good. Yeah. It is. You know, it's it, it's my kind of movie. It's like style coming out of its pores. Yeah, I like Baz Luhrmann, and I like Leo, and I like Toby. Mm-hmm. So they they are all killing it in that movie. Yeah, I gotta see that shit. But, uh, man, Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> I love that, too. Yeah. Actually, I guess I was meaning to ask you. I need to watch something. I think I need to watch something that'll make me cry. But I don't want it to be sad. But you don't want it to be sad. So you want happy tears? Yes. Uh, I don't know. Because, like... All day, it's been happening to me where, like, I'll either think about maybe, like, a movie or TV show or maybe even something I was planning to write myself. And any time I start thinking about the thing that's supposed to make you tear up, I'll start to tear up. And I'm guessing that's my brain telling me, okay, you need to let something out, motherfucker. Hmm. Wait, what are you doing when this happens? You're trying to write something? Well, what I'm saying is I'll be thinking about something. That might normally cause me to get emotional, whether it be something I've seen, something I watched, something I listened to, or something I was writing or planning to write where emotions would get high. Hmm. And just thinking about it has like caused me to get like glassy eyed. I'll be like, what the fuck is going on? So I'm guessing I need to like deal with that. Hence me looking for a recommendation. Yeah, it's hard to think of I don't know have you seen Arrival yet no not yet Arrival's amazing you should watch that I didn't know if that will have exactly the same effect but that one definitely got to me in like a a positive way but also kind of a bittersweet way but not really I don't know it's a good movie that's by Denis Villeneuve, who did uh, Sicario and Prisoners and Blade Runner 2049. And... Yeah, uh, as much as I liked Blade Runner 2049, that is decidedly not <laughs> what I uh, want 
to try and get this out of my system because that movie yeah. on its own depressed the shit out of me. Yeah. I will say it's it's it was interesting following his work and then watching Arrival. Mm. It hit me in a different way that I wasn't expecting. Mm. Okay. Uh, but Arrival's amazing. Uh, uh, things that get me with happiness are like I kind of have that feeling with Interstellar, although I was gonna ask you about that because that's something I've been meaning to watch. For- in it and I was kind of hoping you would say Interstellar hmm. uh, I had friends kind of ruin it for me because they just talked so much shit about it I had to work a lot of spoiler kung fu because I guess like two people I worked with around the time that movie came out did not either like the film or get it hmm. and I'd literally have to like plug my ears and go la 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 moogle 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 while they were talking shit as to avoid yeah for me, that was. I think it's more of a testament to like the power of watching a movie on in a theater, just like big, like going to like like church almost, like the movie as an experience. Yeah, it was like versus just a film. Yeah, the first time I saw it in a theater, it was just so big i was really close to an imax screen i thought i was like more near the back but i was more near the front so i was just like staring up into space and you know the hans zimmer score is amazing it might be one of, it's one of my favorites from him top tier hans zimmer score it's incredible but that experience really kind of rattled me and i was like kind of on the verge of tears the whole time i was watching it it was like well, not the whole time, but um, it was like powerful. Which, which, don't you hate that though? <laughs> yeah, because I can't, I can't get it again. And the people that you know I've seen talk shit didn't watch the movie the same way, so they didn't really have the same experience that I did. And like, I can't, I probably won't have that experience again. I haven't watched it outside of a theater. I see. Hmm. Uh, I was lamenting, I think, because I think that was one of the questions, was like something you wish you saw in theaters on that challenge. And I was lamenting not seeing uh, King of the Monsters, specifically like in IMAX. Mm. Because like the scale of that film is just ridiculous. And it was like the perfect thing to see on that huge screen with the huge sound, the huge everything. Yeah, I really wish I had gotten to see Doctor Strange in 3D. That would have been good. I didn't get to Um, see that. I uh, the only consolation I have is that when I saw certain scenes, I had a bit of beer in me, (laughs) so my brain was kind of like open to a lot of like trippy visuals. Yeah, the glory. Yeah, the person I was going to the movies with that day was like, "Oh, I can't do 3D. Like it hurts my brain," or I don't they didn't like it so we went and saw something else instead and i didn't get to see it in theaters speaking of, speaking of things seen in excuse me 3d uh something i'm glad we did was when we saw prometheus in 3d <laughs> oh yeah that was a good one that was neat yeah underrated movie i really like that movie from a philosophical standpoint mm-hmm. um 
Is it bad that I really related to what was the name of the android? David? Yeah. Like, I felt like I related to him, like, way more than I probably should have. No, he was super interesting to me because the dynamic of that movie is what fascinates me is it's all about. And we kind of talked about this earlier, like the sort of intersection between like sci-fi and like faith or the need to know about a creator or know where you came from. It's yeah, like understand you, what's beyond what's, yeah. what exists that's at least seems to be greater than you. Yeah. So you have these group of people and there's one religious person in the mix who that adds an interesting dynamic, but they're all going off. That was to, my other favorite thing about that film too. Hmm. They're all going to find, you know, supposedly the creators and they meet, the humanity meets its creator and it ends up just opening up more questions. And they have this, it's like this. And it's decidedly hostile. Yeah, and it's this sort of never ending thing where it's like we have to know why and we'll never be satisfied, really. But the, the really interesting, especially at the end when you have all three of these parties together, it's like you have. You know that group of people like humans doing that but then you have david who was created by humans and david has only lived knowing his creators and knowing exactly why he was built and what he's supposed to do so you have him in the mix between like humans and their creators and and yeah but the whole thing was just super fascinating to me i really oh yeah enjoyed that dynamic but uh People wanting it like Aliens prequel were like pretty, like yeah they, they seemed to be really disappointed. And there, there, and it was a weird thing where I could like see what they were complaining about. Yeah, understand it to certain points. It's just it felt like like it was there. I wasn't denying it. It just felt like small potatoes to me. Mm-hmm. Like all the bits about the. <laughs> these scientists and how they should be decidedly smarter than they were in the film. Yeah. It was like, I, I get that. That that makes sense. But, but what about this over here? What about this like complex psychological stuff going on with this character? And it's like, oh, no. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I guess that was pretty dumb when that thing happened. Yeah. It was just so, such a disappointment when I saw Covenant and they they promised like to go and like find you know ask more questions about the situation like that character left to go on a journey to find that home world and understand why things played out the way they did um and then they just fucking like threw that character away and like did something completely different yeah, wasn't it just like a side thing? It's like, oh, we found yeah. here, and that happened at the end. Which the only interesting part of Alien Covenant to me was David. <laughs> mm. But yeah, I wasn't a fan of that movie. But um, yeah, you've seen the uh, the sort of, it's not even really a theory. It's like, but you've read about like the the context. Or the background of Prometheus, right? Um, like all the religious stuff. Oh yeah, that like um, what what they know is Jesus in that world was an alien. Yeah, one of those aliens in particular. Yeah, 
Yeah, like like that element of it was kind of interesting. You know, the the wrath of God was those those aliens getting pissed off at humans killing it. Um, yeah. I think one of the things that was interesting to me, and I don't know if it gets really talked about or if I'm just like looking in the wrong places, was the idea that the alien that created humanity, the one they show at the beginning of the film, was kind of like a rogue element. Mm. Like something about that really fascinated me. Right? Yeah. You know, this this wasn't some like grand plan or design. It was something someone else did out of the blue, and they tried to deal with it. They tried to deal with it amicably at that, and it's like, okay, no, these things are fucking monsters. And then I kind of start thinking about, okay, that goop. What is that goop? <laughs> yeah. So, well, I guess one thing that like. I felt like a smarty pants for kind of coming to a conclusion about that. I guess no one cared about specifically in Prometheus was the idea that the goop they're encountering in that film is likely a weaponized strain, Hmm. which is why like everything that comes out of that is decidedly predatorial trying to kill everything. Though it does kind of bring into question if it's not a weaponized strain, then does that explain why humanity is so hostile? Hmm. But yeah, whatever. I can wax philosophical about that for a minute. Yeah. Because that sort of idea came up in the last couple of episodes of Star Trek again. Sort of mm-hmm. the the genesis of man. They they didn't really it almost contradicted itself because they kind of went like took Picard back to go look at like the primordial soup because there was something kind of endangering it whatever but it was like oh so that like I was wondering like because we know from older episodes that like there was a humanoid ancient race that went around kind of leaving its seed a proto-culture? yeah (laughs) you know that right? Sorry, I'm always going to try and tie things back to Macross. Um, oh. It's a common thing. I didn't. I don't know if I really have any memories of it coming up in Star Trek in particular. Uh, yeah, it's it's come up a few times, and I think that was actually the uh, it might have been tied to that Greek god episode. Mm. Like they were actually like aliens, like with a lot of trickery and shit. But they were there was some other like humanoid, some shit. They've traveled around and kind of dumped their loads on a lot of planets, and that's why everybody has like feet and limbs and and they're, fingers they're and like shit. Humans. Yeah, they all they're all there's so many humanoids. Um, but yeah, they showed kind of the primordial soup, so that made me think like, oh, did they have to like go and Prometheus that shit, or or what? What the fuck did they do? Because what he's showing is kind of based on our science and our reality, but. Ugh. Anyway, uh, oh, they, you've already asked where they can find me. Where can they find you? Uh, you can find me here uh, at 8.30 on Thursdays and occasionally streaming Tekken on here. Um, I'm trying to get rid of Twitter, so... Uh, yeah. Oh, leave a comment on YouTube. That's where you can find me. Dump a, oh, yeah. dump a comment. Type in Hey Listen Radio on YouTube. 
But uh, you can find us on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and you can download this podcast on uh, for free on Spotify and Google Play and the App Store or whatever iTunes. Uh, yeah. Uh, be sure to tune in next week. <laughs> Thanks, guys. It'll probably be different, though. Yeah.